I'm excited to be in the house of God with you. Welcome to Legacy. If you're here for the first time, I just want to say welcome. Uh, my name is Lyle. Allison and I are the lead pastors here. And we count it a blessing and a privilege to share Sunday morning with you guys and to share this home that God has so graciously provided for us to worship Him in. Uh, a few of my friends, uh, the Martinez family, are here. I believe you guys, I can't really see you guys that well, but I know you guys are sitting back there. Uh, some of my friends are here all the way from Dallas, Texas. Wanted to honor them. Uh, they're student pastors at a church in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I actually have known them for 10 years. We go way back, y'all. Way, way back. And um, we were together at a church in Austin, Texas, and a part of a ministry there. That was such a fun season of my life, you guys. I look back at all those late nights we had worshiping and, you know, just going for it, zealous for Jesus. So I'm so thankful that you guys get to see me and I get to see you still zealous for Jesus. Isn't that always a blessing, you guys? When you run into some old friends and you're like, you're still on fire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try this side of the room. So, you know, like when you run into some old friends and you're like, yeah, you're still on fire for Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? I, I love that because how many of you know, like anybody can burn for a season, right? Anybody can get passionate or excited for a little while. But I just really admire and respect you beautiful people of God that just through any season, man, rain or shine, ups or down, you know, you just stay committed to your covenant with Jesus Christ. How many of you know, like, he's got a hold of you and he's never going to let you go? Right? So even when you think you're walking away, you're really walking towards him. So for all of you guys in here that are, you're thinking, man, I've been running from God. No, no, you've been running to him. He... He brought you here this morning. You're in the house of God. He's going to encounter you today. You're not going to leave the same. The Holy Spirit's in the house. He has, a, he has an intention. Let me tell you something about God. He's really good at keeping his word. And uh, he says that he wants to encounter you today, transform you today, move in your heart today, wash away all of your anxiety and depression, encourage you and uplift you. And These are all words that I know God's going to accomplish in your spirit today. And so I'm excited that I get to be a part of that. I have two announcements for you, super quick. Just want to inform you of a few things we have going on here at Legacy. First and foremost is our 4 p.m. gathering. How many of you have been to a 4 p.m. gathering so far? 4 p.m. has been so fun. It's like an encounter service, right? Like, it's super fun. We don't have the time limit. We don't have Legacy kids. It's a lot of worship, right? It's real heavy. Uh, as we, it's, it's the heavy-duty glory of God. You know, it just falls on you, man. And that's been our 4 p.m. And so we've been loving that. And what we always try to do as a leadership team is meet the needs of our community in the season that we're in. And we feel like what would meet the need of the community in this season is to do 4 p.m. not every single week, but to do it once a month and really make it an encounter service where we come in all together and seek the face of God and just have a blast in worship and being encountered once a month. I, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like that's a fun service to go to. And um, rather than try and make it something that we do every single week, we really want to make it special for you. And we felt the one, the best way we could do that was by shifting it a little bit and experimenting and seeing how it goes. So how many of you guys are cool with being God's R&D department, research and development department 
of the kingdom. We're just going to try everything and figure out what Jesus lets stick, and we just do it. Is that cool? Awesome. So we're making that change. There will be a 4 p.m. this afternoon, and the next one will be the first Sunday of November. Both of them undoubtedly will be lit, and so you want to be be there for that. It's going to be great. Uh, Secondly, we have baptisms coming up. I'm excited about baptisms, y'all. I love uh, to baptize people, and uh, I love when people get baptized the second time or a 40-second time. I don't care. Like, if you want to get baptized, you've been baptized before, and you're like, that happened when I was 6, 8, 12, whatever, and I just want to recommit my life to Jesus, and I want to make a public statement to my friends, my family, uh, people who know me, as well as, as, as the enemy. And just say, I belong to Jesus, and I'm going to take my faith public, and I'm going to get baptized again. If that's you, you want to do that, you can easily do that next week. We have t-shirts for you here, uh, but we want you to text uh, baptism, the word baptism, up here uh, to 615-454-9333. That's my personal cell phone. I'm just kidding. Um, It's not. So, But it'll put you in a group. And then what we'll do is we will text you back and we'll inform you of everything going on for next Sunday for to get baptized. Sound good? All right. So if you're going to get baptized, uh, say amen. I'm I'm messing with (laughs) y'all. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bait everybody into, we just dunk everybody. Even if you got baptized last time, you get baptized again. It's all right. You know? Yeah, it's, it's okay. I've been baptized three times myself, personally. Uh, last time I got baptized was in India, and uh, it was so much fun, but also so scary because the uh, river that I was baptized in was like infested with some type of weird fish that bit you. And uh, y'all, they were biting me the whole time, and I was trying to be spiritual, but when I got in there, because they put you in like white robes and stuff when you get baptized in India. So everybody wears, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not see-through. It's like, it's white, but it's, you know. And so my wife was worried. And, you know, we got, I got in and, and then all of a sudden these fish start biting my toes, man. They're like, bap, bap, just biting me. And I'm like, I, I want to be spiritual, but just hurry up. Just dunk me. I don't care. Father, son, holy, whoa, you know, get me under and get me out of here. These fish are, are very aggressive, you know. So they weren't piranhas, thankfully. No blood. Uh, so that was the last time I got baptized. Shoot, I, I just made, made baptize myself this Sunday. My, my wife baptized me. You know. Yeah. Anyways, um, so you guys excited about? I was gonna go. I was gonna make a joke about that, but then I was like, hey. Was, oh. <laughs> we we are a family here. We're not just a ministry. We're a. You guys know that. And so uh, we like to cut up and have fun and, and, and talk about, uh, you know, our connection and how great it is. So we're glad that you're here at the dinner table. So let's just surround the meal this morning, shall we? Let's surround the Word of God, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And let's read a scripture from Matthew chapter 5. I've been in a series on the Beatitudes, and I'd like to continue that today uh, by reading the fourth Beatitude, um, which we'll get to in verse 6. So if you're in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to be in the English Standard Version, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6, all right? Seeing the crowds, he, everybody say Jesus, 
went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. blessed. Are those who hunger. Everybody say hunger. hunger. And thirst. You, got, you guys got it. You guys got it. Come on. Every other word. For righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. How many of you guys like to be satisfied? I like to be satisfied. You know, just in general, across the board, satisfaction is great. You know when you get good customer service? Satisfaction. You go to Husk to eat dinner? Hashtag satisfaction, right? King James says, they shall be filled, right? How many of you guys like to be filled? You like to be full, right? So Jesus is telling us that when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, he promises us that we will be full and we will be satisfied. Amen. So let's pray. Jesus, we ask you to fully fill us today. We ask you to fully satisfy us today because you're the only one that truly knows what we truly need. We may think we know what we need from you today, but you might see a deeper need. And if you do, we just want to give you permission to access that right now. Go to the depths of our spirit today and satisfy us. I just want to echo my wife's prayer and say, God, don't leave us the same. Don't leave us like this, God. We don't want to stay the same, not another day. We want to be transformed by righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. I'm going to speak to you guys today from the subject of they shall be satisfied they shall be satisfied how many of you guys want to be satisfied yes. amen how many of you guys want to be righteous yes. four people okay how, how many of you guys want to be righteous yes. amen yeah i want to be righteous i love this passage honestly i really do you guys and because for me it sort of evokes a spiritual excitement now i don't know if you notice this about me uh, i'm an excited christian i my wife is the only person that laughed at my preacher joke. But honestly, you guys, I'm like an excited Christian. Like, I don't know if you see me in the front. It looked, you don't know if you, because it is dark in here. So if you saw me on Instagram, you wouldn't know. Is it like church of the club, church of the club? You wouldn't know. Because I'm up here just like going in. Because Yeah, it is. Like, I'm just, I'm just going after it because I'm excited about my passion for Jesus. So when I, when I read this scripture and Jesus said, blessed, everybody say blessed. It means happy. That's what that word means. It means happy, right? Happy, you know, happy, excited, joyful are you when you hunger and thirst, right? And so for me, when I see those words, hunger and thirst, I get excited because I think about spiritual zeal. I think about spiritual hunger. I think about stirring myself up to spiritual thirst. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where you're like passionate and you're excited about becoming righteous, Anybody else in here passionate about becoming righteous, yes. righteousness? Yeah, I, I, I am too. I, I read passages like this, and there's something on the inside of me that just, I just, I'm like, oh, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I want to be pure. I want sin to be as far away from me as possible, right? 
You ever think that stuff? Even if you don't pray it, you think it. You're like, I want to be like Jesus, or you pray that, and then he answers your prayer, and you're like, never mind. You know, I don't know if I signed up for that degree of righteousness. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think about that when I read the scripture. I'm like, man, yes, God, that's awesome. I want to get excited about getting, you know, becoming righteous. Uh, for me, that's, that's why I do personal devotions, you know. How many of you guys do devotionals? You know, yeah. a cup of coffee, they just go together. You know, they're, they're so good together. You know, you get some good coffee, you get a good word, and you start your day off right. You know, you have a good day when you have devotionals and coffee. I don't know. So for me, that's, that's, that's my good day, you know. And so devotionals, being devoted to the Word and reading the Bible and doing your reading plan, even when you don't feel like it, can I get a good amen, right? That communicates devotion and hunger and thirst to Jesus. And as a result of our devotion and our hunger and our thirst, we become righteous. Wow. Amen? amen? And so also, I also cannot help but to think about fasting, you know. And, and I know fasting is not a popular topic, you know, but when you get hungry in your physical body, you get hungry in your spiritual body. And so when we push away the plate, we pull the spirit to us. That, that was better than some of y'all said amen. Okay, I was waiting for, I was waiting for feedback, y'all. I mean... I brought most of the encouragement I needed for this message with me, uh, but I need a little bit, okay? And I know fasting is not the most popular topic in the world, but fasting is, a, is an expression of righteousness. You know what I mean? It's worth saying, God, I'm hungry for you. You know what I'm talking about? I'm hungry for you. And I, I'm, I'm going to communicate that hunger by allowing myself to be hungry in the natural, right? And so it, spiritual hunger brings spiritual righteousness, right? And, and, you know, I also think about, uh, you know, Bible reading. I think about prayer. I think about devotion. I think about fasting. I think about, you know, just just stirring myself up and being hungry for God. Every now and then, you just need a jump start. You know, can I get an agreeable amen from any Christian that's ever been like, I ain't feeling it, but I'm going to go ahead and go to church this Sunday anyway? (laughs) See, I ain't never been in that place. You know what I mean? I, you, I, I know you might find it hard to believe that every now and then I get out of bed when I hit my alarm clock at 5.30, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if I really feel like going to church today. But I get here and I'm like, yeah, let's stir ourselves up. You know, I'm like, you see me in the front? Just Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, it's just excited. Stir me up, God. Put in me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness because I want to be satisfied. I want to be filled. Stoke my passion again, God. Encounter me, Jesus. Move upon my life, Jesus. I want to be righteous. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be vibrant and confident in my spirit that I'm living in the way that you've called me to live, that I'm not going against the grain of my purpose, that I'm not just existing in sin or floating and, you know, just not having an abundant life. Like, I want to have, I want to be hungry I'm going to be thirsty for righteousness, right? Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. So when we think about this passage of Scripture, now I don't know about you, but this is the way I always think about it. You know, happy are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be satisfied. This is the way I've always thought about this Scripture. You know, it's about personal sanctification. It's about individual holiness, right? That's the way I've always thought about this. And so for me, it's always got me really, really excited to read this passage of Scripture. 
But as I, as I read it and I thought about it this week, I thought about what Christ may have actually meant in context as well as his original language. You know, I don't know about you guys. I am a Bible nerd. So I will purposefully go into passages, just one scripture, and I'll spend an hour reading commentary on what the context of the story was. I did that this week, but I did it from the standpoint of looking at the original language. Anybody ever do that? Sean in the back, he does that. Anybody else ever do that? You know, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great app, Blue Letter Bible, biblehub.com. There's a, got, a lot of good resources. It's fascinating. And when you see one word that, that an entire verse hangs upon, like righteousness, right? It's really cool to go in and say, what did that word mean? Like, what would the audience have heard when, when they heard that word? Would they have heard the same thing I hear today in my context? Righteousness. Would I, would I hear that and say, oh, I'm, i got to stir myself up. I want to be hungry so, I, so that I can be righteous. Uh, it might surprise you to, to think that the word that we translate as righteousness meant something more to Jesus' audience. So how many of you guys know Jesus didn't speak English? It's a good update for us to get every now and then, you know, because seriously, because sometimes we just think Jesus is like all of us, right? Oh, Jesus is exactly like us. He's an American guy, spoke English. He's a, he's a white guy, blue eyes, blonde hair, flowing locks, you know, he's just... You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Because that's what we read that we, we forget, you know, this is like Middle Eastern context here. You know, this is a rabbi, okay? He is speaking Aramaic, all right? He's not speaking English. And so he's speaking Aramaic, okay? He's teaching, he's talking, he's hanging out in Aramaic. And, uh, you know, he says, blessed, happy are, are you who hungry, are, who are hungry and, and thirsty for righteousness. So, you know, we get our word righteousness from uh, the Greek, Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek New Testament. And the word there is, I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try it. You guys want to learn some Greek real quick? Yes. Okay. It's called dikeyasune. That's a mouthful, right? Dikeyasune. Everybody say it with me. Come on. Dikeyasune. So that's actually the Greek word. And uh, on Blue Letter Bible, you can actually listen to it. This morning, I listened to it multiple times, so I wouldn't be embarrassed when I said it. <laughs> DK Yasune, okay? So that's the, Greek, that's the Greek translation. Now, what you may find interesting about this translation is that in ancient languages, uh, they would use one word to encapsulate multiple contexts or, 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 or concepts, excuse me. So they you would use one word, but it would mean many different things. So for us, our language kind of falls short because we don't have a lot of words like that, especially words like righteousness that are very heavy and weighty for us in our faith practice. But when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after DK Yasune, his audience would have understood it completely different than we understand it today. All right. So righteousness in Greek in Hebrew, and I will presume Aramaic, but I can't prove that because I don't know any, or I don't know anybody who knows it, is that it means personal righteousness, but also just as much and all the more means judicial justice. All right? So whenever Jesus says, blessed are you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he's not saying, hey, I want you to just get really hungry about personal righteousness alone. 
He's saying, hey, I want you to get really hungry and I want you to get really thirsty about social justice also. Because I'm not interested in you hearing my words and then being obsessive over transforming just yourself. I want you to be transformed by my power, but then I also want you to step out into the world and I want you to begin to transform society and alter the culture with the love and the joy that I give you. And so I'm not just talking about getting hungry for yourself. I'm talking about getting hungry for your city. I'm talking about getting hungry for your culture. I'm talking about getting hungry for your nation. I'm talking about getting hungry for your metron of influence, wherever you have influence, whatever you touch, whatever you're a part of. Jesus Christ wants to release love through you and bring the transformative power to that place of influence that you have as well as your own personal life. So a lot of times, you know, we think, oh, well, Jesus just wants to transform me. So we make our faith all about me or you know about us as individuals and we we come to church for my encounter because you know I come here so that I can get some goosebumps and then you guys know what I'm talking about and you know and and, but we don't think about each other you know if if if, uh we see a random stranger in barista parlor you know we're we're hanging out just waiting in line looking at those uh you know $18 pop tarts and we're like and we're like hey what's up where are you from Hey, what's happening? Oh, great, you're from here out of town. Let me make some suggestions, right? And we start hanging, and man, we follow you on Instagram. But then we come to church, and we sit like two rows behind somebody we never met before and won't talk to them. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You, know, you, guys, you guys get what I'm saying? It's just like, and, and that's not the way that Jesus had this whole thing drawn up. Whenever he was communicating this to his audience, he was saying, look, I want you guys to get real passionate about getting real righteous, But I don't want you to stop with your own individual holiness. I want you to step out into society and be just as hungry for me to make the world right through your life. So whenever Jesus says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty after righteousness, he's saying, hey, if your heart is aching over the way that the world is arranged, I have a blessing for you. If you are in pain personally over the things that you see in this world that doesn't seem like anybody is willing to stand up and speak on behalf of or change or alter, if it just seems like nothing can be done and the world is going to hell in a handbasket, Jesus is saying, I have a blessing for you. I have a blessing for you whose heart is aching on behalf of the way that things are. I am communicating to you that I came for this purpose. I'm going to transform you so that you can transform the situation that's breaking your heart. And so people are listening and saying, man, there's a lot of things going on in in culture right now. There's a lot of oppression. There's a lot of things happening I disagree with. There's a lot of things that are breaking my heart. And that's why they heard this as the gospel. That's why they heard this and says, that is the good news. Because I am oppressed. I am marginalized. I am ostracized. I am pushed to the edges. And so whenever Jesus says this, they're like, this is the gospel for me. Because if I will go to this man who has the words of life, I will receive life. And then I will release life. And as a result, my circumstance and my family's circumstance and the people that I identify with and the city that I'm a part of will also receive life and be transformed as the kingdom that Jesus came to bring. And so Jesus is like, here's the, here's the life. I don't want you to just get hungry for yourself. 
I need you to get hungry for a nation. I don't want you to just get hungry for yourself. I need you to get hungry for the culture. I don't want you to just get hungry for yourself. I want you to get hungry for your neighbors. I want you to get hungry for your neighborhood. I want you to get hungry for Nashville. I want you to, get, I want you to start to think beyond your own, you know, and I want you to begin to think about mine. He said, I want to bring this righteousness into the world. I want to bring righteousness into the culture. I want to bring righteousness into your sphere of influence. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, when I first studied this this week, I, I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't know. I'm going to, is this true, God? You know, because I don't want to get political and, you know, I don't want to get stoned and, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm always worried about that because I never want to be offensive. But I'm like, sometimes the gospel is a little offensive. Right. You know what I mean? And I know that for most of us, if we've been walking with the Lord for a while, like we're very excited about our personal transformation. But as Christians here in America, we're not always that excited about the transformation of society. Wow. You know, so often we just resign it to, well, that's just the way things are. It's going to be okay. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. How many of you guys know that God didn't save you so that you could warm the bench? You guys know that? Like, God set you free so that you could play in the game. Like, hey, can I just tell you, you're a starter. You're, Dick Vitale said, you're a PTPer. You're a, pl- you're a primetime player. All right, you are on God's highlight reel. You're not called to warm the bench, sit at the end, keep your tearaways on. Like, he wants you, like, in the game. To Jesus, like you're on the top, ESPN's top 10 every night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like every night you are on Jesus's top 10. And he wants you in the game. He wants you engaged in your purpose and in your passion. And some people say, I don't know what my passion is. Well, like what makes you righteously angry? What gets on your nerves? Chances are you've been anointed to rectify it to change it to transform it and that's why it bothers you that's why it agitates you that's why you see it and you're like oh heartache and he's saying yeah that's hunger right there that's thirst right there blessed are you when your heart is aching for righteousness because you shall be satisfied and if i could add an appendage if you do anything about it You know what I mean? Because far too often we're allowing our dissatisfaction that is God-inspired to die within us when God wants to release that life to the world and, you know, and allow us to be a transformation. You guys with me? So when I I study this, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, God. I cannot believe this is true. Is this really true? Thankfully, I have a rabbi on speed dial. Like, no lie, I'm dead serious. I have a friend, he's a rabbi. His name is Rabbi Jason Sobel, and uh, he's a cool guy. He just wrote a book with uh, Kathy Lee Gifford from the Today Show. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool what's happening in his life. Uh, That's him, that's Rabbi Jason. I invited him to come preach here next year, so he's going to come through. And uh, he's awesome, you guys. He's amazing, he's a messianic rabbi, and uh, he's super smart, you know. So, like, you're listening, you're like, dude, slow down, you know. And he's really smart. And so I texted him. I said, dude, I said, I just ran across this verse. You know, obviously, it's the Beatitudes, pretty well-known verse. But I'm just wondering, like, to the people who were listening, would it have been, uh, like, would they have heard that? And so he texted me back, right? And uh, so uh, if you can see my text down here, uh, I did, whoa. That's, that's all I wrote back. 
whoa, Rabbi, you know, I'm sure he likes that, it's fun, and so they, this is what he wrote me back, this is real, um, we didn't, we didn't Photoshop this, this is, this, is, this is for serious, the Hebrew word for justice is sedek, sedek, is that, sadik, sadik, you go to Israel, he knows, and can also mean, all right, in the same way, giving sadika, sadaka, so glad you're here, get the oil, we're going to ordain, resident rabbi, Sean, get the tallit that we have, we've been waiting, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, so, okay, in the same way, giving Help me, Luke. Sadika, Sadaka means money to help the poor and the needy. Thus, okay, get this. You got to get this. Thus, there are two primary aspects to righteousness. One is vertical. Everybody say vertical. And that's in our relationship with God. That's like being obedient to, to God's commandments. That's, that's righteousness, stirring yourself up to hunger and thirst so that you can become more like Jesus to obey him. That's righteousness. And he said, but a second key part is the horizontal. Everybody say horizontal which is taking care of the poor and the needy. Uh, the prophets kept calling the people to take care of the poor. And justice is a key aspect of the prophetic. Can you, can you believe that? So like in the context in which Jesus was preaching, the Jewish people would have understood this word very differently than we tend to understand it. He wasn't just talking about you getting passionate about your own sanctification and blessing he was talking about you being passionate and him responding to your heartache about other people's sanctification and blessing in particular those pushed to the margins in particular those who are uh they go without dignity in particular the the poor the oppressed the immigrant the widow the orphan the unrighteous, the quote-unquote sinner, all of the people that, that the world tells us not to be connected to, Jesus is saying, here's how I know when you've come to a place of increased righteousness, when your righteousness connects you in relationship to the people that the world has divorced. So he's saying, this is what righteousness is. You know, if you want to be filled up to become like me, the infilling of the Holy Spirit will result in the outpouring of the life of God to the people who everybody else thinks deserves it least. Because the, where we find Jesus in the scriptures most are with the people that the world thinks he would associate himself with least. That's why the religious people are like, this isn't the good news. And all the poor and the marginalized and the hurting and the oppressed are like, this is the gospel. And, and, and that's why you have to ask yourself when you read the Sermon on the Mount, is this good news to you? You know, or does it offend you? Because you're like, man, ah, why is Jesus always with those people? Come on, I'm doing good over here, you know? And, and, and it connects us to him and to them. And so when we're frustrated by the Beatitudes is when we're connected to Jesus but not connected to people. So we're like, no, 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 it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't do that. 
Because I, I just want my race to be all about God, not people. I just, all God. And so it, 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 it's like, yeah, it's not, that's pretty challenging. That's not really the gospel. You guys with me? Amen? So I don't have a lot of time left, but look, let me tell you something. Whenever Jesus came, uh, Jesus came at a time in which that, you know, God ordained, but to fulfill hundreds upon hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. You guys understand that, right? Like when Jesus came, he came fulfilling the words spoken about him because how many of you guys know Jesus is the word of God? How many of you guys know Jesus is what God has to say? Yes. Amen? Amen? How many of you guys got, know that God's always been like Jesus? Yes. Amen? So Jesus arrives on the scene and fulfills the words that had previously been spoken about him, in particular one that connects to this message, by the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. I'll read this to you super quick. But Malachi in the Old Testament, he prophesied about Jesus in Malachi 3 and 5, and he says, yes, I'm on my way to visit you with judgment, I'll present compelling evidence against sorcerers, adulterers, liars, those who exploit workers, those who take advantage of widows and orphans, those who are in, inhospitable to the homeless, anyone and everyone who doesn't honor me. Now, religious people, uh, you know, not to, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that religious people can get really passionate about the first half of that verse. Hey, come on now. Right? But so easily overlook the second half of that verse because... I think that the road that leads to religion is the pathway of isolation that, ma that makes faith all about them and nobody else. And so we get there, we get there, and, and the religious people hear that, and they're like, that's right, Messiah's coming, and he's going to judge all of you liars, all of you adulterers, and all of you sorcerers. But how many of you guys know that the verse continues on? Because he, Malachi is not wrong about Messiah when he says he's going to judge sorcerers. You know who sorcerers are? Uh, it's, 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 it's wrong spirituality. That's what sorcery is. It's wrong spirituality. How many of you guys know that Jesus came to uh, bring you righteous spirituality? Yes. Can I get amen from everybody, right? And then so he says, hey, he's got, he's got something to say about adultery. You guys know what adultery is? It's wrong sexuality. So how many of you guys know that Jesus has something to say about righteousness in our sexual life? Amen? And then he says, you know, I'm also going to talk to you about lying. You know, you, uh, to be a liar would be to be somebody with wrong character. Okay? How many of you guys know Jesus has something to say about our character, about our integrity, about how we conduct our internal life? Amen? Right? And so when we read this, we read those three things, and we're like, yes, righteousness. That's righteousness. And for far too long, our definition of righteousness has existed in these paradigms. One... Um, you know, our spirituality, our sexuality, and our character. That is primarily what we consider to be righteousness. It is our spirituality, our sexuality, and our character. And we think that if we got this straight, then we're righteous. But what Jesus says is that's only a portion of the pie. You're not righteous when you got these three things straight. Let my spirit carry you on into a higher way. Let me take you into the latter portion of the verse where I'm talking about people who uh, don't exploit workers, who don't take advantage of widows and orphans, and people who are hospitable to the homeless. That is what Jesus defines as righteousness. Jesus has something to say about exploited workers. Jesus has something to say about minimum wage payments and keeping people down and, and, and marginalized. Jesus has something to say about homelessness and, and, and immigrants. 
Hallelujah, right? Jesus has something to say about these issues. Jesus has something to say about widows. Jesus has something to say about orphans, right? Because he's telling us, hey, guys, look, let me show you what righteousness looks like. Righteousness has a vertical expression, but it doesn't stop there. Righteousness also has a horizontal expression. I want to transform you, but it's for a purpose. I want to transform the world through your life. Don't get stuck here and make it all about him, but... Go here as well and make it about them. That is what Jesus says is righteousness. And so Jesus is concerned with our spiritual condition, but he's also just as concerned with our social arrangements. That's kingdom come. That's kingdom come. That's kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Essentially what we're saying is, God, send your kingdom. We're saying send your government because that's what kingdom means. It's the government of God that we all know will have no end. Hallelujah. Let your will be done. Let your policies be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's saying. He's like, hey, look, there's there's something. that, That way, that way, that way of love of the kingdom is a higher way than our way. And so when we pray that, we walk in that righteousness. And we say, it matters about my soul, but it also matters about my society. And I'm not going to stop with myself, but I'm going to step out and let God do what he wants to through my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just ask you guys to stand. I want to respond to the to the cry of your soul this morning and tell you, yes, there is more. I feel like so many of us this week ask ourselves this question, God, is this all there is? And and if you ask yourself that question this week, if you ask the Lord that question, could I respond by way of the Spirit and just tell you, the Holy Spirit says, yes, there is more. There is more for you. And, you know, I can tell you in the Old Testament, a prophet whose name was Ezekiel, he was crying out for more in the same way that we're crying out for more, going to the church, going to the temple, saying, God, I want more. I want more. I want more. I want to be satisfied. I want to be filled. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I want more. And I want more to be poured out. Anybody ever been there before? Man, I, I feel like I'm there so consistently, especially when I turn on the news. And I'm like, God, help. I want more. I want to be filled. I want to be satisfied. I want to be righteous. You know what's crazy about Ezekiel is that he was going to the temple and he got this vision. You know, he was going to the church and he got this vision. He said, there's water. There's water that was pouring out of the temple, right? You guys remember this vision? There's water that's pouring out. It's pouring out of the temple. And, and, and he said he stepped out of the temple. And, and, and he, when he stepped out, the water went up to his ankles. You guys remember this? You remember this, you, you remember this story? So Ezekiel had a vision. And he stepped out. And there was water. It went up to his ankles. And then he said he stepped, he stepped a little further from the temple. He, he looks back. You know, he sees there's waters pouring out of the church. There's waters pouring out of the church. You know, and he steps a little further. He said, man, my wa- the water hit my knees. And then, and then he goes a little further. He said, man, the water is, is dipping past my waist. And the further he got away from the church, the deeper the waters got. See, the waters are representative of God's spirit, God's power, God's presence, God's anointing on your life. And for far too long, we've invested in the idea 
that the place that God's presence is the strongest is in the church. But there is something that is reserved for you when you step away from God's house under the weight of the anointing and release the righteousness that you received in the temple. It goes up so high that Ezekiel said, it's above my head. It's above my head. There's the waters to swim in. I'm going to I'm gonna have to tread in the anointing because it's too deep out here. So where are the artists? Where are the creatives? Where are the government officials? Where are the business people? Where are the entrepreneurs? And say, yeah, I came in here to get filled up, but this ain't where I drink the most. When I step foot into society, whoa, I'm drowning. It's a, it's a lot of anointing out here. Yeah, see, some of us be like, more God, more God, more God. He said, oh, there's so much more, but get out. Take the righteousness out. Go, go, go give away what I've given to you. Release the righteousness. You're going to experience a level of the anointing that you never thought possible because you haven't experienced it in church. But when you do it sitting over coffee, making a business transaction, when you do it sitting over, you know, a presentation out about something that doesn't even seem that holy, God's breathing through your soul saying, this is my righteousness. And then people are looking at you saying, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is. I'm confused. I don't know what it is about that person. I don't know where, I don't even know, I don't know if they go to church or they're into something else, but like, they're this righteous. They don't say it like that, but there's life. There's, there's something that's just setting me right. And that's what Jesus paid the price for, for you to carry. So that whole rooms would be touching and packed by the life of God in certain occasions without you ever saying his name. You know why? Because his name's already written on, on your forehead. That's what it says in Revelation. You know, that they have his name written on their forehead and they follow the lamb wherever they go. And that's why people see God on you before you tell them you're a Christian. Because you've taken the step to release the righteousness in public. You know? And that's what all of us are called to. Nobody in here is an anointed bench warmer. There's nobody in here that's been anointed to warm the bench. You've been anointed to play the game. You've been anointed to grab the touchdown. You've been anointed to shoot the three. You, you are, you're like God's relief pitcher. He saved it all for you in this moment. Like you're called to this. You are called to make a difference. You are called to change culture. You're called to change the world. You're called to write history. You're called to make a difference. And whatever metron of influence you have, that's not been given to you by man. That's been given to you by God to transform. That's why you have it. That's why you have it. Uh, but we just say, we just say, Lord, help us to see other people. Help us to take what you've given us and to give it away. Help us to, to take the righteousness that we have in Christ and to see that same righteousness released into the world. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.